Craig, weekday mornings on Sports 56 Mornings, along with Eli Savoy from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. On Twitter X at Greg underscore Gaston. Here's Greg with Bryant and Brett. Greg Gaston will join us. He's joining us a little early today, and we sure appreciate that. And Greg, a little bit under the weather, so we doubly appreciate Greg with us. I got to visit with him a lot last night. We talked a lot about the Tigers football this weekend down in Denton. First time to be playing the Mean Green as conference mates since 1971. I swear I was at that game. I swear. With, with my Uncle John, his birthday was right around <laughs> mine, and we went a week or two later. I had to look at the exact date, but I swear we were at that game. I always seem to get North Texas State and West Texas and East Texas and, and, and Toss and all those games. I don't know how I entered into this deal, though, Brian. So uh, our, our uncle had Tiger football season tickets, and he presented this deal to me and my big brother. Okay. He said, he said, all right, my, 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 my brother Tommy, he, he gets to go opening night, and then Brett, you get to go to the rest of them. I said, yeah, <laughs> you know, four, three or four or five Heck games. Yeah. But I'd get, you know, I'd get North Texas uh-huh. and Southern yep. Miss rice. and, 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 well, no rice, but uh-huh. the, the, the equivalent of that. My brother would get to go opening night against Ole Miss. That's right. That's right. That sounds about right. But you know, I, little kid, I took the, the more rather hey, than the, the less. And I, I, I that's what I got. I do the same. It sounds like a uh, a good deal to me, but we got Greg Gaston. It's a whole lot of Tulsa. Yeah, a whole lot of Tulsa. Oh, man. Uh, we do got Greg Gaston with us. Uh, now Greg uh, joining us uh, to talk the Tigers. You can hear him every morning on Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. I want to start with last week's game against UAB because every single week we talk to you, we talk about these slow starts for the Tigers. And really, especially going back to that two-lane game a couple weeks ago, it was really the offense that really had a slow time getting out there. And the defense I think we should blame the sideline guy on the slow starts. It may be, but this past weekend it was reversed. It was the defense that couldn't get stops. Offense looked much better earlier in the game. What did you make of that start Saturday against UAB? Yeah, good answer, guys. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. But you're exactly right, Brian. Yeah, this was a little bit of a, a reverse in what has been happening at starts of games. It's been the offense that has struggled coming out of the gate, but this time it was the defense, almost like they weren't ready to go. You look around, and all of a sudden, you got eight points on the scoreboard scored by UAB in, in a minute. And if that wasn't a wake up call, I don't know what was. But luckily for the offense, they were zipping along. They scored touchdowns on their first two possessions. And it looked like it might be one of those wild games, back and forth, big high-scoring game. And in the end, in the second half, the adjustments that the Tigers made defensively were incredible. Offensively, they kept going. They turned them all over. In fact, that second half, you could argue that's the best half of football they have played all season long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has been a challenge to play 60 minutes of football. I mean, 60 minutes of really good football for Memphis. They've had their lulls. But that second half of that game was near perfection, and they end up running away with it, winning by 24. Greg, one more thing kind of about UAB and kind of for the future. I think Trent Dilfer is showing that he's going to have the offensive firepower, the offensive potency. And hadn't that really kind of been the template for, for guys from high school? I know he was NFL guy, but you know, last year coach, coaching in, in, in Nashville at, at, at Lipscomb Academy, that, that, they all, whether it was Hugh Freeze or Gus Malzahn or, or, or Art Browse, all those guys that come from high school, they have it down offensively, and then they have to kind of catch up with defense. 
Yeah, they're pretty ingenious when it comes to offense. They have they have a lot of things that you don't normally see, maybe in a conventional college football game, and they want to bring that into the college game. And of course, when they're coaching at high school, for the most part, they have coached at rich traditional programs that's able to bring in recruits, and that's what he was able mm-hmm. to do in Nashville and dominate. Now, of course, he goes into college where your talent level is not as strong as some of the other teams in the conference, but I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, I think you're right. As far as offense is concerned, UAB under Dilfer, as the years go by, will put up points. They will put up points every single week. The question is, will he be able to get those defensive players, be able to talk them into wanting to come and play in Birmingham for UAB for a former NFL quarterback? And, you know, the only time will tell whether or not he's able to get those players. But if he is, and I think he'll do a pretty good job in doing so, I think UAB could be very competitive in the league. I, I think they have a good future under Dilfer. Greg Gaston from the Tiger Sideline with us. And it's brought to you every week by Mount Moriah Auto Sales, the law offices of Stephen Leffler, Neil's Bar and Grill, and Chet Witsit, your cry like realtor. Greg, uh, we talk a lot about some of the transfers that have come in for this Tigers team. I was talking earlier this week to, to some of our other guests, Dave Woloshin, I think was the last person I brought it up with, but I was, I was shocked when I heard that Simeon Blair's first career interception was in that game Saturday against UAB. But when you look all around, not just defensively, but all around this Tiger team, Blake Watson at running back, Simeon Blair, um, a, a ton of guys, both offensively and defensively and, and special teams-wise, have come in from the transfer portal this season. What have you made of the job Ryan Silverfield has done this past offseason, really the offseason before that, bringing guys in through the transfer portal? Yeah, I've I talked about it before. I think they have done a really, really good job, and that's the norm. That's what is in college football now. Yeah. Unless you're Ohio State and Alabama and the, the top-tier programs, you're going to have to be able to get out in the portal, convince those players to come play for you, give them the reasons why it's uh, advantageous for you to play at that particular location, and and then also have those players be able to not only contribute, but some of them become stars of the team, like Simeon Blair, who's one of their best players. Uh, Watson is certainly one of their best players. You have to hit on those players, because if you go out there and just bring in some names from other, because you're going to obviously add, uh, every program is going to add, but you have to add quality. You can't just add players just for the numbers to replace other guys. You have to do that, but you have to get, you have to get quality. If you don't get quality, if you miss on that, that's that's a year that you've got to catch up with because you're you're only going to get most of these guys that transfer for one year. A lot of them are grad students that come for the one year. I mean, several others will, will certainly come and be able to play a couple of years because that's what they have eligibility-wise. But you want to be able to hit out of the, you know, hit it out of the ballpark right away. And I, I thought that they did a phenomenal job, especially replacing the wide receiver core which was depleted from the players they lost last year. They went out, they got leaders, they got guys that have stepped up on both sides of the, of the ball. And I think that uh, it will continue to be incredibly important for schools like Memphis and programs of that size with the limited amount of NIL dollars that you had to throw around to be able to hit on those players you bring in. And again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think they really did an incredible job in going out there and getting those guys through the portal. Greg, this game on Saturday should really be renamed, you know, like the Iron Bowl and Paul Bunyan's Axe and Floyd of Rosedale. This should really be named for the Greg Gaston and Bryant Dacus Bowl. This is where y'all, this is where y'all met the, when these two That's teams right. met in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, Bryant was three years old and you were interviewing Bryant and his parents for local TV. <laughs> right. 
Isn't that incredible? I mean, Brian told me that story. I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> 20 years ago, Br- right? Brian's the got the video. Ball. I do, yeah. I know. It's, it's incredible. Well, it was funny. You and I were talking, uh, Brett, the other night. I think it was last it may have been last night at the uh, Grizzlies game. We were uh-huh. talking about the fact that New Orleans, uh, excuse me, North Texas played Memphis and New Orleans. I forgot who they played for a second there. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I know the Tigers went, and I was there and all that. Well, oh, their opponent, oh, it was North Texas. Kind of forgot all about that, but obviously they won. And that was Angelo the fun New Orleans Bowl. Sure was. Yeah, it was also the cold. Well, I don't know that the you know the game was in, indoor, but leading up to that New Orleans Bowl game, it was cold in New Orleans. Yeah, I remember was. doing a couple of those team functions. We went over to what was that the, the big amusement park that they had that unfortunately uh, was devastated. You know, the whole area by yeah. the by the hurricane. It got. Uh, you know, knocked down completely. I don't know. I think they have built another one since. I might be wrong about that. But we went over to that. I'm not sure if it was a um, one of those, uh, uh, I forget what they're called, Six Flags type things or uh-huh. something like that. But it was freezing. I mean, I go, are we in New Orleans or what? I'm looking at those beautiful trees. And I'm thinking, we are freezing our heinies off. And that's that's the way it was. But obviously, the uh, it was a great moment for Memphis football sure 20 was. years ago. And, uh, yeah, I forgot for a second there it was North Texas. Of course, last year, these two teams met in a high-scoring affair with Memphis winning. Memphis has had great history against North Texas. It goes back a while. They've only lost one time in Denton, but certainly uh, every year is different, and this is a North Texas team with a coach in Eric Morris who is very familiar from his NFL days with Ryan Silverfield. So they've gone up against each other in their respective jobs when they were both in the National Football League. He's pretty innovative. Their offense is really, really good. And this is one of those deals, again, like last year, or excuse me, like last week, that you've got to be ready to play from the get-go. You don't want to fall behind, which they've done for five straight games. But if you do fall behind, you've got to put together that, the adjustments defensively, which they have done very, very well so far this season. But I think it'll be a challenge. North Texas has got a pretty good football team. Greg, check with your old guard Tiger football sources that, that know a lot more than me. I'm, I'm talking about Matt Dillon to, to, to start with. They played in 1972 in Irving, Texas, and I think it was at brand new, sparkling brand new, and it was revolutionary, uh, Texas Stadium where the Cowboys played. Did they really? Now, were the other games in Denton, were they in yes. Denton? I mean, were the other games in Texas in Denton? Yes, but the 72 okay. was in Irving, I, I think, at the home of the Cowboys. Wow. Okay, I'll check and, that out. And, and that was that was in that stretch where the Tigers changed their uniforms that looked very cowboy esque <laughs> in the seventies. <laughs> I I chuckle, Brian, with this guy's memory. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's remarkable. It really is. Uh, Greg, I'm curious. I've had some of my friends have brought up the question to me. I've seen some texters have brought it up as well. Jay Ducker, we haven't seen him much at all this season. What's going on there? I know at the beginning of the season we kind of talked about this running back room, the amount of talent that's there, and you could, you know, guys could get lost in that room. Is that what's happening right now with Jay Ducker? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you if it was something beyond the football field itself, mm-hmm. that, that something's happening personally with him and with Coach Silverfield, I don't know that. All I know is that for the last couple of weeks, and unfortunately I wasn't at the coaches' meeting today because, as, as Brett knows, I was I was sick overnight. I couldn't even do my show this Ooh. morning, but feeling a lot better right now. So I didn't get to talk to them, but I know the last two weeks it was Brandon Thomas was ahead of Jay Ducker on the depth chart. So wow. you have Blake Watson, you have Sutton Smith. Brandon Thomas, a guy who I give an awful lot of credit for his perseverance. There's a guy who could easily transfer, right? He was the starting running back. Two years ago, going into last year, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. 
He's been playing special teams, just waiting to get that opportunity, and he's gotten that opportunity and had a couple of touchdowns last week. So he folded ahead two weeks ago ahead of Jay on the depth chart. So Jay Ducker's sitting there at number four right now on the depth chart, but I couldn't tell you it was strictly because of what he's not doing during practice or whether it's something else. Wow. No, well, I mean, it's it's. I remember talking before the season about just kind of how deep that running back room was. Very easy to get lost when you have uh, when you have all of that talent in that position room. But looking ahead to North Texas, uh, what have you seen from this team this season in North Texas that could give the Tigers fits, or, or where do you think the Tigers can can get them and find a weakness in North Texas? Well, they have a good quarterback, and we think this quarterback will play. Huh. Because if you recall last week, we were talking up about Zeno uh, and how good he was, how crazy was with that? his completion percentage. Oh, my gosh. He's out there warming up, and he doesn't play. They end up playing three quarterbacks, none of them Zeno. But we do believe that the quarterback, Chandler Rogers, will go for North Texas. Here's a guy who has thrown one pick. He has 14 touchdown passes. Wow. He's thrown for a little bit less than 2,000 yards. He's a smart quarterback, obviously high percentage as far as completion is concerned. Uh, seems to to go through his progressions and find the open man. He's also got the ability to run with the football. He has scored three touchdowns. So here's a guy who can beat you with his legs and his arm. And in this conference, they have really solid quarterbacks. And you run into them almost every single week. We talked about Tulane. Difference maker in that game and the loss to Tulane was Michael Pratt. This is a guy right here in Rodgers who doesn't have as many weapons as Pratt has at Tulane, but certainly can chuck the ball around the field. He can beat you. If those guys are, are catching balls and not dropping them, I don't think he's going to make those mistakes. Now, Memphis is going to try to force him to make those mistakes. They were able to get the four turnovers in the second half last week, but again, that was going up against second, third, and fourth uh, quarterbacks. Uh, second string, third string, fourth string, guys that hardly even played during the season. This guy is a Good, good player who has been there and has done that. He's a great leader for this North Texas team. The problem is, which is very similar to what we saw last week with UAB, defensively they're not great. And so the Tigers should be able to move the ball. I don't want to say move the ball at will, but as long as they don't stub their own toe, they should be able to get up and down the field and score points. Of course, Seth Hennigan, it's a homecoming for him. He went to high school about 10 minutes away from dead. So there'll be a lot of family and friends that will be there to support Seth Hennigan. So hopefully... He uses that to his advantage. Gets uh, a little fired up, and a little more fired up than he normally does. But he's a guy who you don't really have to uh, tell anything before a game because he is always fired up and ready to go. But I would think there'd be a little extra uh, giddy up in his step for this particular game. Greg, really tough question, especially on a day you're playing a little a little hurt and, and accommodated us with a a different time. But but here it is: if the Tigers win, the Tigers going to win Saturday. They're going to be six and two. This time next week. What kind of crowd should we be talking about for the South Florida game at home? I don't know. I guess a lot will have to do with the weather. Um, but I think, unfortunately, the diehards will be there. And it'll go beyond a little bit. It'll go beyond the diehards. But it, I don't know how far beyond the diehards it'll go, Brett, because I think some of those fans that – we're at the Tulane game, watch that game, and they said, ah, you know, this was your opportunity. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was your opportunity. You lost the game. And, you know, they're fair-weather fans. Those are the kind of fans like, all right, who cares? You don't want to stick around. That's the way it is. But as far as a crowd, I think we'll all depend on the weather. Um, but you're in a position that you need to be. If you win this game, like you said, you go in, you're 6-2. and two. you got a chance 
It's homecoming, South Florida. You should beat them at home. You go to Charlotte. Again, you should beat them. I know it's a road game. You'd, you'd be sitting at 8-2 and two getting ready for that SMU game. Now, that's the that's one. what we dreamed really of, isn't it? About. Yes. If they are 8-2 and two going into that SMU game and they get a you know, fair-weathered fans, a, a mediocre crowd, that's going to be extremely disappointing. But as Brian Silverfield will tell you, he'll be the first one to tell you, look, we got to take care of business. North Texas is able to – That's right. They have the ability to knock us off. we got to win these next three to get into that position to play SMU and what will hopefully be in front of a big crowd. But as far as the South Florida – it's homecoming, so there will be more people here for homecoming. I guess a lot will have to do with as long as they win on Saturday this week and as long as that weather is nice, I hope it will be a pretty good crowd. Talking to Greg Gaston, he joins us every Thursday afternoon to talk Tigers. And the Tiger basketball team, they are getting ready for a pair of exhibition games. The first one on Sunday against Lane College. The second one will be next Thursday, November 2nd, against LeMoyne Owen. But this weekend uh, against Lane College, it will be our first time to see pretty much everybody on this roster except for, what, two, Jaden and, and Malcolm. It will be our first time to see them in a Tiger uniform. Uh, what are you looking forward to see from this team Sunday in their first exhibition? Well, I'm definitely fired up because a week from Monday will be their first game, yeah. and I get, I get to call that game um, on, on ESPN Plus against Jackson State. So I'm starting now getting to that transition into that basketball mode. And, yeah, there's a lot I'm looking forward to. I want to see out there how they – kind of distribute minutes with the point guards because as I was over at the presser two days ago, maybe yesterday, I don't know, these, I've been sick, so please excuse me. I think it might have been yesterday afternoon. The talk was that Javon Quinterly was a little banged up. And so Caleb Mills was talking to us, and he said that he was running the point, which wow. kind of surprised a few people because most people figure if Quinterly's not going, then Jalen Young, who I've heard looks great, mm -hmm. would be that the point guard. But Caleb said he was running the point, although he did say uh, it didn't matter to him whether he was the point guard, he was the two, whatever the case is. So you got interchangeable guys. So I'll be curious to see what Penny does. Penny already said that he expects the lineup of Quinterly, assuming he's okay, Caleb Mills, David Jones, uh, Jordan Brown, and who am I missing? Oh, uh, Jaquan Walton. Those are the five that I expected him to start. But that also means you have an incredible array of talent coming off the bench, led by Nick Jordan and Jalen Young. And really big. Both Hardaway. Yeah. Yes, yes. So there's a Malco. There's Mal a lot Mal of Malcolm options. But yeah. it seemed like the theme to me during that presser with Penny talking, with Jaden, his son talking, and with Caleb was as long as the guys are all bought into the team chemistry winning, not worried about individual glory, then they're going to be fine. That's my concern, and it's interesting that that is also their concern. They feel they're all bought into it. They feel they're good to go, but what happens in a game when one of those guys, I'm not going to throw out a name because who knows how, how they'll approach it, but one guy goes out there and he gets uh, 14 minutes and he expected to get 30, or the one guy expected to get mm -hmm. 10 shots, he got two. You know, will that be? It's, people say that's a good problem to have. It is and it isn't. If it's a disruption of the team, it isn't, but it is to have those options. So I'll be looking forward to seeing what he does as far as uh, different uh, fivesomes that are out there on, on the floor. Like, does he mix and match? Does he experiment a little bit? I would imagine these are the perfect times to do so, having the two exhibition games before you're ready to play for keeps against Jackson State. 
Greg, please forgive me. After after asking that attendance question, then I'm going to go here. <laughs> on the whole chemistry thing, I don't want to hear about chemistry on November 1. I want to see it on January 1 after you've played some games and some guys have had lesser minutes and other guys have gotten shots. And let me see what that record is. The best chemistry is when you got a lot of wins in that left-hand column. Right. When you're playing the, the competition that they are about to play, you got to wait till they play those games to see where everybody is, to see where they are mentally, uh, to see where they are physically, and then kind of adjust to you know our expectations of where they are. Oh, they look good. It seems like everybody's bought in. Hear from the players, hear from the coaches. So yes, you've got to give it time. You just can't watch one game and go, yeah, they look like they're they're sold. They look like they're bought in. Remember, two years ago that was an issue. It was a big issue. Great, but you man. had a couple of young players who were kind of the dominant names. And you had uh, Duran, Jane Duran, who was fabulous. And you had Imani Bates, who was not fabulous. But he has turned out to be, it looks like a, he could be a, a good role player in the NBA. It just didn't work out. One, it did. The other one, it didn't. So you got to see with this team, you have a combination of young players, like uh, Sharon Font, like J.J. Taylor, of course, mm-hmm. Ashton Hardaway. Mm-hmm. And then you got all these other veteran players. And so as long, again, as they are bought in they understand the situation um I, I think this could be a really fun year yeah could it implode yeah anytime you have an array of talent again veteran Any players locker room can. young players mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly there's always that worry but i'd rather be in the position they are in than not as far as the talent that they have Greg, last thing for you, uh, David Jones, you just mentioned him a second ago. I watched him uh, quite a bit last year at St. John's, but obviously kind of a late arrival to the team, but was down there in the Dominican Republic playing the Tigers in their first exhibition down there and looked really, really good for that Dominican national team. What is uh, Coach Hardaway said about him since he's arrived to campus, and what do you expect from David Jones this season? Yeah, they like him. He's one of those guys, I think, that has turned heads in practice. Of course, when he's playing for the DR national team, that's one of those deals where guys have been together. They're Mm -hmm. older guys. They have that chemistry that we've been talking about. So he's going to look good because he has those other guys on his team that look good. And then it's the residuals of, of everybody else doing their thing. But I do think he's a solid player. And again, for Penny to say that he'll probably start on Sunday says a lot because Nick Jourdain, uh, Jaden Hardaway, when he spoke, they were somebody had asked him about you know what players are standing out, and he was glowing about Nick Jordan. So I, I think they're going to have interchangeable guys. Yeah. Maybe who starts really doesn't matter. But as far as David Jones is concerned, I'm excited about him. You're right; he was one of kind of the uh, late arrivals to this team, but he's been there long enough now where he's gotten adjusted to his teammates. They've gotten adjusted to him. And he might be one of those guys where you look, you obviously look at Brown, you look at Quinterly, you look at Walton, and you go, yeah, they're the guys. But David Jones could be one that sneaks up on everybody. And, and maybe, I'm not going to say he's going to be the best player, but certainly one of those guys mm-hmm. that you go, wow, I didn't even take him into consideration that much early. And now look what he's doing. Yeah, well, I'm excited for the season to get started. That first exhibition this Sunday against Lane College at 2 p.m. But, Greg, thanks so much for joining us. We'll do it again next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Boy, you'd never know he was on the DL today, would you? No, not at all. Came in Tour strong. Four, yeah. Tour de Force performance from Greg Gasson on all things Tigers. The official jeweler of the Memphis Tigers. The official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies. The official jeweler of the FedEx Forum Floor Seat Lounge. And it was hopping last night. It's Sissy's Log Cabin. And 
and great supporter of Tigers Athletics and sponsor of our look back at the weekend and the SEC every Monday at 4.30. We'll have that coming up Monday. And, and very soon, the new location opening at 45-42. Popper, Bill Jones, and his great team, they're here to stay. Some blow in and blow out overnight, then gone. Not Sissy's Log Cabin, the Mid-South's largest selection of one-of-a-kind jewelry, engagement rings, necklaces, earrings, wedding bands, all that, and coming up for the holidays, a lot of people with the big question. She's going to say yes, but you better have that. You better have that ring from Sissy's Log Cabin. Uh, since 1970, with six locations across Arkansas and Tennessee, 9,000 square foot store in Laurelwood with expanded lines for Rolex, Cartier, diamonds, and more. Sissy's offers a selection of diamonds, estate jewelry, and fine gifts. Again, the official jeweler of the Grizzlies or the Tigers in a FedEx forum with the floor seat lounge, and it was packed in there last night. Unsurpassed value, exceptional service, expansive selection, and an extraordinary experience because life's too short for ordinary jewelry. Well, let's get to a quick break. When we come back, we'll break down tonight's Thursday night football game and talk about some other news in the NFL. That's next on Sports Time. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our family leisure studios. And we've got to talk about this Thursday night football game tonight. Between the Bucks and the Bills, you can listen to it right here on Sports 56. That action will start at 7 p.m. here when we're done with Reb Talk. But since we're talking about that game on the station uh, tonight, let me tell you about the rest of our weekend real quick. Saturday, we'll have complete coverage of Ole Miss versus Vanderbilt, that pregame starting at 4.30. And then on Sunday, we'll have a doubleheader, Bengals at 49ers at 3 p.m., Bears at Chargers, the 7 p.m. game. We'll talk about it a lot more before Monday, but also we'll have Monday Night Football. Raiders and Lions Monday night. We've got all of that action right here on Sports 56. But, Brett, tonight, Buccaneers, Bills, how do you view this game going tonight? Well, Buffalo, we talked. I talked about it in my top story. That schedule ahead for them next week at Cincinnati, then home against Denver, home against the Jets, then at Philly, at Kansas City. You better get those at home. Yeah. Uh, at, at Cincinnati, at Philly, at Kansas City. That's, that's the yeah, teams that have been in the last two yeah. uh, last two Super Bowls. Three of the four teams. Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati against the Rams right and, and Philly against Kansas City. Yeah, no, that's those are tough games, and on the road just makes them uh, tougher. So I think you need to start tonight with a win. But I mean, how, what 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 is the feeling coming in after one losing two of your last three games, but two losing your last game on the road to New England, and kind of all of the conversation that has come out since then about this Bills team? I, I'm I'm partial, of course, but I don't I don't I don't think they're going to Dawson Knox enough. Mm-hmm. Only one catch last week. He hadn't been the safety valve, the the make it easy get open guy. Get me get me eleven when we need ten guy. Yeah. I think there's too much trying to please Stephon Diggs. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and, and I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I saw breaking news uh, about 30 minutes to an hour ago. Dawson Knox has been placed on the IR now. So um, much for that. So, so much for that. Um, so maybe a little more easier to please uh, well, Stephon Diggs. Well, we'll go to the other tight end, uh, uh, Ken K. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, but, you, but you're absolutely right. I mean, Stephon Diggs um, has, has shown the last year or so even more than he had before of how much he needs his his catches and, and how much he wants to be looked at. And and you're right, I think we get into some of these games, especially when they're trailing, and they kind of just try to start force-feeding them. And, and obviously, these defenses are showing up saying, we're going to make sure we shut down Stephon Diggs. At, at the tight end position this year, one touchdown. That, that's Knox, wow. Kincaid with zero. That's That's incredible. I mean, you compare that to a lot of other teams in the NFL and what their uh, tight ends are, are bringing in. They're living with the tight end. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's kind of unheard of, really, to only have one tight end touchdown um, this far into the season. So, I mean, I think the Bills will win tonight, but, I mean. And, and Josh Allen has been sacked ten times. That, wow. that, that's too many. I mean, yeah. he, he now he, he holds the ball a long time, tries to make something, something happen, but I – I think it is when to when to closing before our eyes for Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I when, think when does right. that reopen again? Yeah, that's a good question. They just haven't been, they haven't been super impressive this year. I mean, you go back to that Dolphins win, and yeah, that was that was a very impressive win. That was against a Dolphins team that was just coming off putting and up that, seventy, but and that division, and you're that, right. Yeah. But with, with that that division with the Jets. So good on defense, mm-hmm. and the Dolphins so good on offense, and pretty good on defense. Yeah, and so I mean, their wins, Giants, Dolphins is a good one, but then Commanders and, and Raiders. I mean, those are not wins that you're going to go running down the street screaming about, and, and those no. losses um, have really hurt them. Jets, Jaguars, and, and now Patriots. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the Jags Sunday. They're favored in Pittsburgh. What What do you think? The appreciate, appreciation level, respect, uh, is out there for Kenny Pickett? Uh, I think very little. Um, More than Mac Jones, though, right? <laughs> or is it Mac Jones-esque? I think maybe slightly more than Mac Jones, but that's not a compliment. It's not ringing endorsement, is it? No, 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 it is not. Um, when you're saying just second eh, here, yes, I mean, I mean, plenty of time. But I think uh, you know this is another one of those teams that I think uh, in Pittsburgh they they were so used to having a, a great quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, and then they get you knew this every high, Sunday seven. Oh yeah, be back and there. and and now you get this high draft pick and Kenny Pickett after a couple of years of of really uncertainty and bad quarterback play, you get this high draft pick and. And you're going, oh, we're, we're good. We're good to go. And then he's had his struggles, and, and I don't think it's all on him. I don't think their offensive line has been great this year. But um, run, game hadn't, run game hadn't been good this Najee year. Najee Harris hadn't. He, he really hasn't. And so, but I think, I think people are just upset because, you know, of what they've been used to, and, and he just hasn't shown that yet. Yeah, and, and they're used to so much mm-hmm. in, in Pittsburgh. That's a good game Sunday, 5-2 and two Jags yeah. against 4-2 and two. Steelers, Cowboys, and Rams at noon on mm-hmm. Sunday, and that, that's be a good one. I guarantee you, we pick that one tomorrow. Oh, I know, and I know who you're picking. <laughs> you know who I'm you pick, picking. You pick against the Cowboys, and yeah, well, where you can be happy. <laughs> that's right. Um, but you know, yesterday you brought up this point, and I hadn't even realized it until you said it, and it, and it kind of blew me away. Cowboys in a noon game, you you don't see that very often. No, just just not very often at all. They're you know they're always 
three o'clock or yeah. Sunday night or Monday night. Yeah, yeah. So a noon game is gonna be is gonna be a little different. I'm curious, uh, Brett. We we had a text message come in uh, on the NFL. Uh, hey guys, which NFL coach gets sacked first this year? That's from Joe who texted in. Any any names that that come to your mind that that could be could be canned? I've got I, one that I it immediately comes to my mind. Maybe. Maybe if it just really unraveled in Chicago with Eberflus, maybe. Yep. I, that's that's mine. Uh, I think Matt Eberflus. But I don't, just second year, right? Yes. Uh, I think you know they, you, you got to quit changing coaches at some point, don't that's you? That's very true. That's very true. But I guess you don't. I, I, I a, a lot, a lot, a lot of people get in that mm-hmm. vicious spin cycle. But I, I don't, I don't see any other places. You know. Certainly not Sean Payton, no. uh, year one, and that, that price tag, Mike Vrabel, if they were 0-11, yeah. I don't think they're they're doing anything there. They, they stay the course uh, with, with him and, you know, Belichick, no way. No. There's no way. Well, and, and, you know, if you just kind of look at some of these teams, you know, if you go and, and you look at the standings and what teams are really struggling – Kind of like you said with Eberflus, a lot of these teams that are struggling have either been struggling and this is the first year of a new coach and you can't, you can't turn it around or it's just a very young coach that you need to give them a couple of years. Um, and, and so I don't think there, there are a ton that will be making moves. Yeah. I'm shocked by Carolina 0 and 6, but yeah. not anything changing there. They're, they're, they're going to try to have it, you know, emerge with, you know, mm-hmm. young, a new coach and young quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised Carolina too, but I mean, you know, before the season, you look at that team and you go, okay, you've got Bryce Young in there, you've got some good weapons, but man, when those preseason games started and you saw that offensive line, I mean, you quickly kind of rethought that and said it could get it could get pretty ugly here for a smaller type guy in Bryce Young that never got hit at Bama, yeah. and when he did. He was kind of banged up from it. No, you're 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 exactly right. So I think uh, I think once I saw a couple of those uh, those pre game or uh, those preseason games, I don't think I thought, hey, they're going to go zero and six, but I thought it it was going to be great. You you remember the play Bryce Young got hurt on last year at Fayetteville against the Razorbacks? I do, yeah. And, and and I thought at the time I said that's that's every series in the NFL. It really is, and we're starting to see that. I mean, he's getting hit hard. Now, the good thing is, is for the most part this year, he's getting back up and, and getting to it, but um, you don't want to. I mean, we've, we've seen... That's part of being a rookie. It is, but, I mean, unfortunately, we've seen Tua last year, I mean, taking those hits and, and, and what those hits can, can amount to and, and can become, and so you don't want your quarterback getting comfortable taking those big hits, but uh, and with Anthony Richardson this year, who's just kind of... What when he was playing was almost refusing to to slide or or get down when he was running the ball, and so I mean it's just bigger guys in the NFL that you're going to have to go up against. It's that great story that Peyton Manning told a few years ago on on, on Monday Night Football that his rookie year, like you know, just nightmare year, a lot of interceptions, yeah. team was bad. He told his dad after the game, he said, they're just never, nobody's ever open. He goes, yeah, they are. He said, you just got to get it in there. <laughs> he said, "You, I mean, it just, it's not going to be as wide open as in college. And it, it, it got better for him. It got much better for him. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, it's interesting when you look at some of these young quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud, what he's done um, has been really, really impressive. But I'm excited for this game tonight, Tampa Bay and, and Buffalo. But, Brett, 10 points. I mean, that line's That's in at 9.5. That's a massive number. You know, it's like on the 
defensive side, a, a little bit beat, you're bad beat. A yeah. little bit open is wide open. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said with Peyton, I mean, he, he figured it out quickly, and it uh it worked out for him, I'd say. Do, do you think Marvin Harrison Jr. is is now in the Heisman mix? Oh, yeah, but it's... Let one or two stumble and he could get in there. He really could. I mean, he's he's definitely making a name. I mean, that injury uh, you know, kind of hurt him a little bit, but since he's been back, he's been he's been electric. And Ohio State's won it with quarterbacks. They've won yeah. it with running backs, but never had a wide out. Yeah, so, I mean, he's he's right there up there. And, oh, I mean, you look at those receivers they have um, and the receivers they're bringing in and the receivers that, they that put out. Hurt. But you know, it didn't Devontae Smith that year. Now, now one true. of them got hurt. Waddle got hurt, mm-hmm. and that kind of ended up helping sure. yeah. Devontae yeah. Smith. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think that's a, a very good name to keep an eye on, kind of a non-quarterback name to keep an eye on as we uh, continue to roll through the college season. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. All right, Brett, my big number comes from the NBA with all of the action we had last night. I've got an NBA big number. And this comes from that ESPN game uh, from last night. Uh, the the late night game where we saw Victor Wimbenyama, but Brett he might not have been the best rookie in that game because on the other side my big number is two. That is the number for Derek Lively the second who was drafted uh, in this last draft by the Dallas Mavericks out of Duke. Since turnovers were first tracked in 1977-78, Derek Lively II is the only player to make his NBA debut against a number one overall pick and have more points, more rebounds, more field goals made, more free throws made, fewer personal fouls, and fewer fewer turnovers than the number one pick. That's what Derek Lively II did last night for the Dallas Mavericks. I thought you were going to go with those Jalen Duran numbers oh, last man. night. He was he was really good. Again, turns twenty on November eighteenth. Still not Crazy. twenty, uh, but a, a good night for him. Um, my big number first one is eighty one. That's how many games the Grizzlies have left. I don't think there's too big overreaction today, but it shouldn't be any. I mean, it no. should just not be any. I I, I know now five and eighteen on opening night, but eighty one games left. Everybody. Uh, Back to patience yeah. a little bit, at least to like ten games in huh. or something like that. Another one, uh, fo- uh, big big number for me, forty three. Those three point uh, mm. lofted. Yeah. I mean, just mm. heaves last night. Some of them, and only twelve makes, and that leaves the next big number, fifteen plus fifteen rebounding wow. advantage for New Orleans. When you shoot that much and miss that much, and you can't go get it, that's how you start zero and one. 
that is how you start 0-1. But like you said, only game one, 82 games left in the regular season. I got another big number for you from the NBA. Uh, 143, that's how many points the Indiana Pacers scored last night against the Washington Wizards. The Grizzlies will see the Wizards uh, here shortly, but I mean, what a performance from Indiana, a team that really... I didn't really know what to expect. They've got some good young players, some good veterans on their team. Uh, but, and a great coach. And, and a great coach. But from top to bottom, they looked unbelievable. 52.3% from the field, 46.5% from three, 91% from the free throw line. That's what the Pacers did last night, and a really impressive win over the Wizards. Uh, I'm, I'm going to count right now. Rick Carlisle, I've got it in front of me, Rick Carlisle, he has his championship coaching in the NBA. Mm-hmm. We, so we got Pop with, with at least one. Pop, Spolstra, Kerr, Malone, Carlisle, yeah. Nurse. So we have six of the 30 have, have won a title somewhere. Wow. Wow. And uh, could we get a new one this year? Wait a second. We, we could have seven. Didn't Vogel get the, the – the, the bubble title yeah. with the Lakers? I, I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Let's see. Uh, yeah, sure yeah. did. Seven. Yeah, so seven. It's not a bad number. That, that's a lot of championship coaches. Sure is. And, I mean, maybe uh, – no, I don't think we get a new one this year. Well, maybe. If the Celtics live up to the hype, that'd be another new one. Sure could. So they're 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 very well could be an uh, eight after this season. Uh, what what if what if what if no no Vogel's with Phoenix. Yeah, he's with Phoenix. They, they couldn't there. Yeah, because I was thinking Suns, but then uh, Darvin Ham with the Lakers, Darvin maybe Hamm, possibly, maybe maybe, maybe. maybe. Uh-huh. You make people mad saying that, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> if you said the uh, the Lakers could win uh, could win it all this year, but my good buddy from Bush Stadium this summer, Tyron Lue. That's right. Yeah, we met for maybe twenty seconds. Oh, but good buddies. That's how good now. of buddies. We yeah, are. I mean, hey, you know, tomato, tomato, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> twenty seconds may not touch it. That, wow. that may be double. It wow. may have been just in. I mean, hey, look, I I'm with it. You know, if I meet you, if we just have a any sort sort of interaction, brief or not, we're good buddies now. See. Maybe good buddies, but I don't think you can say you know anybody. I don't really uh, claim to know anybody unless I have their cell phone number. I like that. I and, like and they that. have mine. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, they that's a good it, point. Yeah. It, uh-huh. They know who it is when I text them. I like that. That's good. That's uh, a good kind of way to, to differentiate. I mean, there's a lot uh, of difference between meeting somebody and knowing somebody. Well, that, that is true. But hey, uh, you know, you and, uh, you and Tyron Lou, good buddies. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I'm sure if we if we let him know, I'm sure he'd be happy to hear it. You know, yeah. that's just how good of a buddies y'all are. Well, let's get to a break. But before we do that, the weekend is almost here, and I know you're looking for a night out. So I got to point you into the direction of 117 Prime, located at 117 Union Avenue, and opening 4 p.m. daily. 117 Prime offers perfect steaks cooked to your liking over hickory wood for the best flavor in town. In the meat, it's regionally sourced for the best taste, so you don't have to worry about it traveling cross-country like some of these other steakhouses. Pair your steak with a wine from their award-winning
dining wine menu or switch it up with their wine of the month. Not a fan of beef? No problem. 117 Prime also offers outstanding seafood like oyster, shrimp, and lobster. Also, get down there right now and enjoy their happy hour from 4 to 6, Tuesday through Saturday, for the best happy hour that downtown Memphis has to offer. To make reservations, head over to 117prime.com or give them a call, 901-433-9851. That's 901-433-9851 for 117 Prime. Let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk NBA with Keith Smith. Keith Smith. 